Last summer, we were at the farm where my mom grew up, and Noah and I and others were outside, and he squatted down, and he um, picked up, started to pick up something, and he said, Hey, Mom, what's this? And I looked over. I was on the other side of the yard, and it looked like a piece of rope. Um, and I got over closer, and it wasn't a rope. It was a snake skin. Ugh, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> it was a snake skin that a snake had molted out of, had shed its skin, and then uh, moved on in its new skin. Um, I, I thought about that story when I was reading the scripture about putting on new clothes because two or three times a year, Snakes put on new clothes. Several times a year, birds molt. Their feathers disappear, even in a typical order. And then the feathers grow right back in, in that order. They shed their skin or their feathers, and then they look new again. Well, the, this letter to the church at Colossae <coughs> describes a process similar to that of a molting snake. Prior to today's passage, the author has alluded to their dead skin, to the clothes that they have put behind them when they decided to become followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, The writer lists sexual immorality, lust, greed, idolatry, and several other things. Well, these were daily wear, daily clothes for the people at Colossae. The Christians, he was saying, had to get dressed in something different. Another young boy, Taylor Clawson, at age five, was insisting on wearing the same clothes that his friends wore. And his mother, after several unsuccessful attempts to steal him against peer pressure, tried this one. Taylor, Jesus is our leader. We follow him, not our friends. Taylor thought about that for a second, and then he said, Okay, Mom, what's Jesus wearing? What's Jesus wearing? It gives us a new acronym, WWJW. What would Jesus wear? Well, beginning in verse 12 of this passage, the author lists some of Christ's garments. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then he adds in for the Colossians, forgiveness based on how God has forgiven us. And then love, the final one, love, which binds all of these virtues together in perfect unity. Well, you appreciate good music, obviously. You have heard good harmony from our choir, from in the chiming of the bell choir, And when we had Joe St. Clair and this Virginia gentleman sing for us, you know about harmony and how when people do harmony well, it almost sounds like one voice. It sounds unified. Now, what makes that happen besides good voices or talented people is practice. Practice. Part of what binds all of these virtues together then, 
that the author has listed is practice. Practicing love leads us to unity. Practicing love is the super glue that holds together sometimes even things that don't want to be bound. I read this story from Saul Bellow's collection of traditional Jewish tales. It's about uh, in, in a small town in Russia, there was a rabbi, rabbi, and some of the disciples of the rabbi used to say that on Fridays, the rabbi would disappear. And they said he would go and visit with God in heaven. Well, this newcomer came to town. He was skeptical. And so he decided to go and just and watch. So he went, went to this rabbi's home and he hid there and this, on this Friday morning. And he watched as the rabbi said his prayers. And then he dressed in peasant clothes. And then he picked up an axe and he went out into the woods and he cut wood and he hauled it over to a different part of town, the outskirts of town, where there was this shack. And in the shack lived a woman and her sick son. And so he delivered the wood there, all the wood that they would need for the week. And then he would go back to his home. And so the newcomer who came to town after he saw this, he decided to stay and become a disciple of this rabbi. And when he would hear one of the villagers say, on Friday mornings, our rabbi ascends all the way to heaven. The newcomer quietly adds, if not higher. Practicing love. Practicing love. That's the super glue that holds things together. Practicing love is what people do who care about each other. It's what congregations do when there are disagreements. We choose, we have chosen time and again among disagreements to stick together because love supersedes the issues that we have with each other. Love holds us together in perfect unity. We choose to practice love. And I thought about that again as uh, several of our folks hosted and the church together hosted a reception for a family whose loved one had died. And we have begun doing that when funerals happen in our church. That is practicing love. Practicing love is what our church is encouraging people to do with our transformation journal groups. Some, Many of you are involved in these. We've got over 60 who have signed up for the next 13 weeks. And you are always welcome to join a small group at any time of the year if you would like. But in a transformation journal group, you get to know each other. You get to connect with each other. You learn to love each other and have the same concerns that each other has. You build relationships of trust, just like you do in any group of friends. Build relationships of trust, and then the people care for you more because they trust you, they know you, they care for you, and you have the opportunity to care for others as well. You can talk with Jean McBride or me if you would like to learn more about those groups. Um, they've been very powerful for several people. One time at a nature museum, I spent time where they had um, 
chrysalis, the cocoons that uh, caterpillars had built, and they'd all put them in one place. And, and I watched a butterfly crawling out of a cocoon. And I had always thought, you know, well, okay, so they break through the cocoon and then they fly. Uh-uh. <laughs> it, was, it was a much slower process than that. It was, um, it was almost painstaking. The, the work that this butterfly had to do to crawl out of the cocoon and then um, be able to let its wings dry and then fly away. And um, it takes time. It takes work. That metamorphosis, transformation takes work. And unlike snakes and butterflies, people can't do it very well on our own. I don't know if you've discovered that as well, but it's with the help of a group, with the help of a small group of Christians or with the help of your congregation that we seek and are able to really transform ourselves to being more like Jesus. We seek to molt from our stubbly, worn-out skin to create a new and improved self. And a byproduct of that is a new and improved church. Do you ever wonder why people join other churches in the area instead of Calvary? You ever wondered? I don't think it's the shirt and the shoes, the shirts and shoes that we wear. It's not our outer garments. We, you know, we clean up pretty good. <laughs> Look, looking around. There are things about our, our exterior clothing that may keep people away. Some people who say, you know, I don't have anything to wear to church and aren't willing to come in jeans and tennis shoes. And then there are things maybe about our, bu- our building or other things that detract from a good first impression. Some would say it's having Baptist in our name. Sad but true. And then how do, how do guests find us when they when they come inside the church? Have we clothed ourselves with humility and kindness and compassion, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love? Maybe we need to update our ensemble, our ensemble of virtues. Maybe we need to do a little molting ourselves to shed the skin that we no longer need and put on something that fits the needs of of Roanoke Valley, 2007. Years ago, a retrospective showing the works of Pablo Picasso was held at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Nearly a thousand of Picasso's works were on display, and they were they were done chronologically, so that you could see his early works with traditional landscapes and still lifes. And then as Picasso advanced in age, you could see that um, brilliant colors began to emerge and the still lifes were no longer very still. And then another step later, he gets into the zesty and abstract stuff for which he's really most famous. An art critic who saw that show recalled that one time when Picasso was 85 years old, 
he was asked the reason why his earlier works were so solemn and his later works were so ecstatic and exciting. How do you explain that, said the interviewer. And Picasso responded easily. His eyes were sparkling, according to the interviewer. Easily. It takes a long time. It takes a long time to become young. Isn't that ironic? It takes a long time to become young. Okay, now go to your New Year's images and there's a little baby that appears, right? What's he wearing? What? Diaper? Close to nothing. Here we are. That's pretty, uh, pretty vulnerable, isn't it? To think about having no clothes on. Well, de- December 31st, today is an, an arbitrary date in time. doesn't fit in with the solstice, really, and it doesn't fit in with much of anything. But we claim it as the last day of the old year. January 1st. Also, not a major date related to the moon or the sun, but we claim it as a new beginning. And so we have a chance to think again. What if we're that baby with a diaper, nothing else? How do we want to be clothed in 2007? By the time you get to this point next year, is there something that you would like to have changed? And what what could start? What what could what could be the little tiny pebble that would start that snowball rolling and enlarging so that when you splatter at the end of the year next year, you're the person that you want to be. I want to give us a moment of silence. There are some pencils in the pew racks in front of you. There's a pencil in the registration book if you're near one of those. There's some space on the back of the bulletin. And I would like to just invite you to a moment of prayer to talk to God and then respond if you would like to by writing down something that you might want to... Think of differently, something you want to be differently. If, if not for you, maybe for this congregation. What would you like for this congregation to look like at the end of 2007? Let's take a moment of silence, and then I offer this time for you in prayer, and then I'll close us out with a verbal prayer. Generous God of love, God of power, God of change. We pray for your help as we close out one year and begin another. We pray for your guidance in knowing about what skin should be shed and what our new clothes should look like come December 31st, 2007. We ask for your guidance, for your help, and for the ability to trust others to help us as well.
God, we thank you for this church, for people who care about us. We thank you for hope, and we thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.